We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-Month Emergency Food Kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. What's going on, Packer fans? Happy Packers game day! Welcome into an all-new episode of the Pack a Day podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. We are officially in the Packers desperately need a win, so we have. New things to talk about other than why the Packers continue to not execute on simple plays and why wide receivers are lined up in the same spot and yada, yada, yada. You know the rest, all the things that we've been talking about for the past four weeks. It would be great if we had some really positive things to take away from Packers Vikings to talk about prior to going into next week's game. So that is what we are all hoping for today. Not only just obviously for talking points, but more importantly, just to get a Packers win in the win column and just some positive takeaways and a team that desperately needs to show some signs of progress and no longer showing signs of regression. So fingers crossed today's the day that we get all of those things and can check all of those boxes. Whether it will be that or not remains to be seen. Before we get into our keys to the game as we go over every Packers game day, let's start out with the final injury report. I'm sure you've probably seen it by now, but just running through it really quick. Packers have four players who are questionable. Jair Alexander, Devondre Campbell, Luke Musgrave, and Josh Myers. Now, the good news is that all four practiced in some capacity on Friday. Whether or not they play 
these are all very interesting question marks that I don't really know how to, you know, sort of pick and choose which players I think will or won't. Campbell, I think, is probably the most likely. He practiced from early in the week up until the end with no real setbacks, at least as far as we know. So it would seem like he is probably the most likely to go. Musgrave, you know, LaFleur gave him a ton of credit for trying to get out there and just kind of battling through his injuries on Friday. Whether or not they're cautious with him in coming back will remain to be seen. Myers, the injury that he had, he continued to play through in the game a week ago. So I'd probably say that he plays as well. Jair with the back injury, it is impossible to tell because he has practiced in previous weeks. Sometimes he played a couple weeks ago, didn't play last week. It's just really tough to tell as to whether or not his back is going to flare up on the day of the game if they want to continue to rest it to make sure that he's healthy. So you can sort of figure out on your own which ones you think might be available, which ones you think might not be. We'll know at 10.30 a.m. Central Time as to whether or not which players are active, which ones are not active. Like I said, I think Campbell and Myers will play. Musgrave and Jair a little bit more up in the air. No rhyme intended. And I, again... Jair is just so tough with the back injury. I I would expect him to do everything to try to go in this game, but it's just really, really tough to tell when it comes to back injuries. Now, from a Vikings standpoint, Brian Asamoah is out. Not a huge loss, as I talked about with Luke Braun, and as he pointed out, backup linebacker mostly going to be a factor on special teams. Ezra Cleveland and Jalen Naylor are both questionable, but did practice. Ezra Cleveland practiced throughout the week. And then Kenne Nwagmu uh, is questionable and did not practice, but it was with an illness, not an injury. So if he gets healthy in time, he could be a player that plays as well. The Packers injuries here are much more questionable and much more impactful with all four players being starters and having a significant role on this team. I think the Packers side of things with inactives will be much more worthy of keeping an eye on. From the Viking side of things, it's not really all that big of a deal. Inwanwu and Naylor and Asamoah are all more special teams players. Ezra Cleveland's the big one here, but again, as Luke Braun pointed out, they've got Dalton Reisner to come in and back up if need be, and there would not be a huge drop-off even if Cleveland was not able to play. So I don't think Minnesota's injury report and inactives list is that important to keep an eye on unless there's all of a sudden a crazy inactive or last-minute injury, Um, whereas Green Bay's with those four starters is much more noteworthy, and we're just going to have to wait and see as to whether or not any of those four, all of those four or something in between are going to be able to play in this game. Now, as far as Saturday goes, the Packers had zero roster call-ups, no changes to the roster, no injury updates, downgrades, upgrades, or anything like that. It was just a nothing day. And usually I would say, oh, that's great news that we can probably glean that a lot of those players that are injured are probably going to play in this game because they would have called somebody up. In this case, it's not that simple. Without Devondre Campbell, if he can't go, they still have four inside linebackers on the active roster. And when he has not been able to play, they have not called anyone up the past couple weeks. So we can't really glean if that means that Campbell's going to go or not. Same thing with Jair. Normally they would call up who? Corey Ballantyne, but they already added him to the active roster this week. And they picked up another corner and put him on the active roster this week as well off of Carolina's practice squad. So they have five corners on the active roster this week and probably would not have called somebody up even if Jair wasn't able to go. At tight end, there's no tight ends that they could call up. They have no tight ends on their practice squad. Now they could have called up, you know, a fullback. You know, they do still have the the fullback on the roster, Henry Pearson, but they don't have a tight end. And they still have the three other tight ends on the roster in Kraft, Sims, and if you whatever you want to call Deguara, that they don't, like I said, there's no one really to call up even if Musgrave can't go. 
And with Myers, you could make the argument that maybe they would have called up another interior offensive lineman in Michael Jordan, who could probably play some center in a pinch. And certainly you could play some guard if you needed to move Elton Jenkins or whomever on the inside. But but you still have eight active offensive linemen, which is all the active offensive linemen that you need for game day anyway. And with the fact that you have guys that can move inside like Zach Tom and Elton Jenkins, and you still have depth on the interior, you wouldn't really need to activate someone either. So normally I would say, oh, great for all those players who are questionable. They didn't call anyone up from the practice squad. That probably means that all of those guys are good to go. In this case, we can't really glean anything from it, but hopefully fingers crossed, it is a very good sign still that they didn't have to call anyone up period and that they will have their full, at least close to full flight of players. And again, all 53 players on their active roster did practice on Friday. So if nothing else, hopefully the injury list is moving in the right direction. And even if a player or two can't play this week, hopefully it's trending the way where everyone's healthy for the Rams a week from now. All right, let's get into our keys to the game. Let's start off with number one on the list, and that's making sure that Kirk Cousins does not get in an early rhythm in this game. Kirk is the classic rhythm shooter, if you will. He's the he's the streaky shooter, and you, you know he's like, I don't know, whatever streaky shooter you want to use. I always go back to, and this will show my age here, not Steph Curry. No, I'm going to talk about his dad, Del Curry, former Milwaukee Buck for a hot second. Uh, But he was always like the classic streaky shooter where Del Curry could come in and be like nine of nine from three, or he might shoot O of nine from three. With Kirk, it is so much to do with, you know, how much you can get him off of his spot and out of a rhythm. And it's not like Kirk doesn't have no, it doesn't have any improvisational ability. He really does. He can get off his spot a little bit and move around a little bit and still complete passes downfield. And he's a very good mover within the pocket, but it's a totally different story where if he's in the pocket clean and in rhythm, it's going to be a very, very long day. And it is sort of a generic to any quarterback sort of situation. You don't want any quarterback to have time in the pocket and you want to get them off their spot and moving around and having to drop their eyes and do all that. That's a, that's a basic NFL quarterbacking 101. But with Kirk, it's just a little bit more pronounced. When you have a quarterback like Kirk, who's more of a pocket-based quarterback, who is a very rhythm-based quarterback, who if he can scan the entire field and doesn't have to drop his eyes, like he literally at times can be can look like one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Dead serious. And I know we all know the limit to what Kirk can do. And we all know he's probably going to usually be somewhere between like the 10th and 15th best quarterback in the league more often than not. And it usually isn't going to be higher than that. It's usually not going to be lower than that. And it's really hard as we've seen for Minnesota to win a Super Bowl with that or win even playoff games with that. But when he's good, he is really, really good. It's just that when he's bad, he's really, really bad. And a lot of that is determined on how comfortable he is in the pocket. You give him all day to throw and Matt LaFleur has brought this up in the past as well. He's going to look like an all pro. You move him off his spot and you have an opportunity to get one of those really bad Kirk Cousins games, one of those two or three interception Kirk Cousins games, and that is your really biggest key to victory. Really good Kirk Cousins is going to spell a long day for you. Mediocre to bad Kirk Cousins is going to spell a real opportunity at victory, which is what Green Bay desperately needs in this game. So get him off his spot, get him out of his rhythm. Don't let him get his eyes down the field because even without Justin Jefferson, this Vikings team has enough weapons and will get open enough where Kirk Cousins can scan the field, make his reads, get it to them with accuracy if he is still in the pocket and clean. So make sure that he does not have that rhythm and you will be setting yourself up for extreme success against the Minnesota Vikings. With that in mind, really come my next two. Number two is Kenny Clark versus Garrett Bradbury. 
I've said it a billion and one times. In most cases, this Packers defense goes as Kenny Clark goes. When Kenny is the eater of worlds on the inside of the defensive line and is just completely obliterating opposing offensive linemen, getting into the backfield, stopping the run, everything's funneled inside. And Kenny Clark is, again, just has that gravity to him where everything is just sort of, he's like Kirby. Again, I'm showing my age here, but he's just like sucking everything in. Man, like that is the Kenny Clark that is dominating. And that is a Packers defense that has a ton of opportunity for success. And he has had a ton of success in his career against Garrett Bradbury. Garrett Bradbury, I'm sure, has Kenny Clark nightmares. Clark has the strength advantage. Uh, Bradbury is quicker than Clark, but man, Kenny Clark's hands are quick and he can still get around Bradbury as we have seen on numerous occasions in the past. This is a huge key to this matchup and it marries with number one. If if you want to get Kirk uncomfortable, the easiest way to do so is right up the middle and right with Kenny Clark over Garrett Bradbury, maybe bringing five rushers to make sure that you're getting Clark one-on-one against Bradbury and giving him an opportunity to really succeed and hopefully succeed quickly. But if Bradbury just stymies him and we see the sort of same Kenny Clark that we saw last week against Denver, where he can't get anything going and just isn't really able to get off double teams and you're just not making an impact, again, it's going to set Minnesota up for success. It's going to give Kirk that time and it's going to make your day really, really difficult. And number three is right alongside of it. And that's Rashawn Gary versus Christian Darrisaw and Brian O'Neill. For my money, I think the Darrisaw O'Neill tackle duo is probably the best in the NFL, if not top three for sure. Darrisaw is playing out of his mind. He is a all pro caliber left tackle. And Brian O'Neill is a phenomenal pass blocking right tackle. And you add that up and really for Green Bay, their best player on this team is Rashawn Gary. And he is the the biggest player who has the opportunity to make big plays and to really make game-changing moments within a, a game, whether it's a forced fumble, pressure on a quarterback, which leads to an interception. That's one of your biggest keys to success every week. He's that dude. He's that guy that you've got to get going and just gets going on his own. And now Minnesota matches up well against that because they have no weakness at tackle. And it's not to say that Rashawn Gary and his 40% win rate and how crazy he is at, you know, rushing the passer is a picnic against, you know, for any offensive tackle, even the best of the best. But O'Neal and Darisar are going to be able to match him better than the vast majority of you know football teams across the league and just have answers for Gary. And it's not to say, again, that Gary won't win on occasion. He will. But if that 40% win rate is a 15% win rate, which is still you know good, it's still a whole heck of a lot different for this Packers defense. Vikings have a opportunity there to maybe not let Green Bay's biggest weapon get going. And Rashawn Gary's going to have to find a way. Maybe it's some twists and stunts to get Gary matched up with guards and centers on the interior. Maybe they use a little bit of the Preston Smith role where Rashawn Gary can line up over Garrett Bradbury as well. I think Green Bay has to be a little bit more creative here rather than just, and I, I definitely don't think you want to see much Rashawn Gary versus Christian Derrissaw. If anything, get him matched up with Brian O'Neill, which I think you have a better opportunity, but I still think Green Bay is going to have to be a little bit creative and trying to get some one-on-ones with players that don't uh, end with the names O'Neill or Derrissaw because they're just two really fantastic offensive tackles for Minnesota. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way? In college, I personally dealt with an addiction that was tough to get over. And while my mind kept telling me to do the right things and I wanted to do the right things, it was always hard trying to make the right choices in real time. What I eventually found out was that therapy can help you figure out what's holding you back and how to work for yourself instead of against yourself. 
Therapy has helped me with my past struggles and helped make me a better person today for my friends and my family. Therapy has helped me learn my trigger points, my destructive habits, and what positive steps to take to ensure that those negative behaviors turn into positive ones. If you're even thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be catered to your schedule, and flexible to your individual needs. The best part is that BetterHelp is so easy to sign up for. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Make your brain your best friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Packaday to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Packaday. Number four, I said this last week, it didn't come to fruition, and I'm hoping this week it comes to fruition. Green Bay's got to get off to a stronger start than they have basically all season long, but certainly the last, what, three, four weeks? Four weeks. This cannot, and I said it last week, I'm going to repeat myself here, this cannot be another Green Bay's down 17-3 to three at half and you know you're just hey our guys got to compete in the second half and Jordan Love gets going in the third quarter and we try to mount the see this you know team mount a comeback it it's, you're just setting yourself up for failure it's up to the coaching staff to put together a plan that they can execute in the first half and get some points on the board it's up to the players to make some impact plays make somebody miss and go make a big play Make uh, an explosive play on the defensive line or as an edge rusher and go force a fumble and go get that thing and set your offense up for success. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes, you can't go down, you know, multiple scores at halftime again. And especially on offense, you cannot go into halftime with like even single digit points. Nine points is still not acceptable to me. If you said Green Bay has nine points at half, it would still be a massive improvement. It's still not acceptable to me. I need double digit points from Green Bay in the first half in this one. And even if that means they're down 16 to 10 or whatever, all right, so be it. But I need to see Green Bay's offense put some freaking points on the board. Heck, I don't even care if it's the defense or the special teams putting points on the board. I don't care who it is. Just find a way to put a crooked number up on the board in the first half for the love of all things holy. Because if not, again, you're, you can't consistently try to fight back. And we've seen it. You, you don't have the firepower. It, you're, you got back in the game against New Orleans. Kudos, tip of the hat. You won that one, but you couldn't do it against the Raiders. You certainly couldn't do it against the Lions. You couldn't do it against the Broncos. You have to find a way to be at least even or around even, maybe down three at halftime and then make your run. But if it's down double digit scores again, good night. You're, it's over. And we're going to be talking about the same exact dang things that we talked about for the past three weeks next week. Now this team can't get off to a strong start. They can't get any rhythm. They can't play complimentary football, yada, yada, yada. We know the drill by now. It can't be that way again. And that is a huge key for Green Bay in this game. Just get some freaking points in the first half of this game, please. And thank you. Number five and six are going together as well. What did we say when the Packers faced the Raiders? Said, all right, you've got two jobs. You can't let Devontae Adams beat you and you can't let Max Crosby beat you. And they did a pretty good job, a really good job, I would actually argue, against Devontae Adams and they did not let Devontae Adams beat them on offense. Good, all right, we got one check. Unfortunately, they very, very much let Max Crosby beat them in that game. And he was a force Green Bay had no real answers. They tried doing some stuff that just didn't work. And Crosby was a massive, massive impact player and really swung that game in the Raiders' favor. In this game, we would normally be talking about Justin Jefferson and Daniil Hunter as your two players that you can't let beat you. 
No Justin Jefferson. However, I don't know if anyone else saw the game that Jordan Addison had. He is a fantastic rookie wide receiver. And in this one, I'm saying the same game plan. Number five, you have to have a Jordan Addison plan. Number six, you have to have a Daniil Hunter plan. You can't let Addison beat you on offense. You can't let Hunter beat you on defense. All right. Addison is no Justin Jefferson. Nobody really is, but he is the impact guy that can make the big explosive plays. If you don't let Addison get the explosives, yes, TJ Hawkinson can beat you. Green Bay can still give up their death by a thousand paper cuts because we know we see it every single week. There are certainly the, the Osbournes and some of those guys of the world that are pretty darn good players, but the one guy that you really want to limit and make sure that by the end of the game, he's not having a six catch, 140 yard, two touchdown day is Jordan Addison. And that might be a lot of praise for a rookie wide receiver. In my opinion, it is earned and he is the one that you can't let get explosives. If somebody else earns it, so be it, tip your cap, but you better have a plan for him better than you had against Justin Jefferson in week one, a season ago. And I'll say it one more time, Addison is not Jefferson, but he's the playmaker. The Vikings don't have a great running game. Hawkinson can be a, a big time guy, but he's not usually the guy that's getting 30, 40, 50 yard plays. And the same thing with their other wide receivers, talented wide receivers, but not their big play dudes. Addison's the big play dude. Limit him and you're going to make them grind out yards and grind out points. And that's going to be a big one for Green Bay. And on the opposite side, Daniil Hunter is still playing phenomenal football. And this Packers offensive line has been abysmal. And he, I'm sure, is looking at this matchup and saying, I'm going to eat in this game. This is how this is how I get like the Pro Bowl and all pro recognition is by going up against the Packers offensive line that's not very good and just having a massive day like Max Crosby did. I'll say just like Jordan Addison is not, you know, Justin Jefferson, nor is he Devontae Adams. Daniil Hunter, not quite in that Max Crosby category. He's just a, a step below that. He's still good enough to completely wreck the game and change it in Minnesota's favor. So just like Green Bay had to have a better plan against Justin Jefferson in the second game last year than they did in the first game this year, or first game last year, excuse me. It's the same thing. They need to have a better Daniil Hunter plan this week than they had a Max Crosby plan a few weeks, a couple weeks ago when they lost to the Raiders. So number five, stop Jordan, Jordan Addison and have a plan for him. Number six, stop Daniil Hunter and have a plan for him. Excuse me. Number seven, maybe, just maybe, just throwing this out there, just as a, I don't know, just a random idea. Maybe try playing run defense. Maybe try playing run defense. And the reason I say that is Minnesota's run game is terrible. You know, uh, Alexander Madison has not really been as advertised. They go trade for Cam Akers. You got Cam Akers from the Rams, meaning like he's the same player he was with the Rams right now. You don't have explosive players in the running game. And this is a Minnesota run game that you should hold to like three, 3.5 yards per carry. But Green Bay loves giving up 4.5 to 5 yards per carry. It's just what they do. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, you should try to play run defense in this game. And I, I know that there's no perfect defense and Green Bay just doesn't have this perfect defense to stop everything. And we're already talking about, hey, you got to get Kirk Cousins off of his spot. And that's probably more important, which I agree. If you can't stop Minnesota's run game, and I know we said the same thing against the Raiders too, because they really struggle with the running game going in. And of course, Josh Jacobs has a really nice day and the Raiders had a really nice day on the ground. But this is another Minnesota rushing attack that is really bad and you can't let them get going. Don't let a bad team that's bad at a certain aspect of the game beat you with that aspect of the game. Have some pride in your run defense. Set a freaking edge. 
Get off your block, go make a play, shoot your gap, and just play sound run defense. If you just like mostly do your job and don't get out of your gap and don't like get completely blown out of your assignment, like you're going to be fine against this Minnesota run game. They're not beating you with speed. They're not beating you with any sort of crazy running back that can juke you out or spin move or anything out. Like you're going to be fine. Just play sound run defense. And if you do that, Minnesota is going to be held in a, with a reasonable amount of rushing yards, maybe 80, 85 rushing yards. Kirk Cousins is going to have to beat you. You're going to get in some third and longs. You're going to be able to get after the quarterback, get him hopefully off his spot and maybe get some turnovers in the process. But again, have some pride, play some run defense and make a really bad Vikings run offense look like a very bad Vikings run offense. Don't let them get going because if so, you're just done. Then you just can't stop the run period. It doesn't matter against who you're going against. It has to be better this week. Do not let that running game get, get going. Number eight, get Jordan Love moving and comfortable. I think we usually start seeing this in like the second half of like, oh, let's get Jordan Love on the move a little bit and then like maybe open the offense a little bit more. Has to happen earlier, has to happen in the first half. Get him some confidence, get him on the move, a little bit more RPOs, a little bit more bootleg action. And just, it feels like when he gets moving and maybe he makes somebody miss or gives someone a stiff arm, it feels like the juices get flowing a little bit more for Jordan. It feels like that's when he gets ingrained in the game. It's not like a little screen pass to the outside or a little, you know, whatever. It feels like he needs to get that mojo by maybe getting on the move a little bit. Once he does that, settles into the game. Maybe it, like some quarterbacks will say like they just need to get hit for the first time. Once they get hit for the first time, they feel like, all right, now we're going. And maybe that's Jordan. Maybe he just needs to get hit. Maybe he needs to feel that uh, that contact, whatever it is, just get those competitive juices flowing, but get him on the move, get him comfortable in this game, get him some easy completions. That's what this offense is supposed to do. If you can do that, I think Jordan will settle down and play a really you know smart game of football the remainder of the way but start him early, get him going early and don't maybe handcuff him quite as much with just baby simple passes. Um, I I think he needs to open up the offense and just let it rip a little bit more while also being on the move and giving him some of those easy completions with hopefully some easy bootlegs, some easy RPOs and those sort of things. All right, number nine, last year, Minnesota goes down in the second game, scores a, a field goal right away kicks off to Green Bay and Keyshawn Nixon takes it to the house for a touchdown. Green Bay scores 41 unanswered and the rest was history. I want to see Keyshawn Nixon get going in this game again. I know the the you know kick returns have been frustrating because they've been taken out from eight, nine yards deep in the end zone. Green Bay's got to find a way to get that guy going. He's too much of a playmaker. And yeah, I think you probably need to leave the ones that are in the back half of the end zone but let's get him a return, whether it's on kick return, punt return. Let's get that guy going again because this Green Bay offense needs every ounce of help that they can get. And even if it's a you know 50-yard return, 40-yard return, anything in plus territory, or if it is a, a return for a touchdown, this is the week to maybe get something going in that regard. And they did it against Minnesota last year. Let's see if they can do it again against Minnesota this year at home, at Lambeau. Let's do it. Number 10, offensive line, my friends, it is time for you to do your job. This is not an offensive line that should be as terrible as we have seen them be over the past few weeks. These are good players, specifically Elton Jenkins, Josh, uh, excuse me, uh, Elton Jenkins, John Runyon Jr., Zach Tom. Those are really good players. According to Adam Stenovich, Josh Meyer is also a really good player. I don't agree with that, but I saw him play good football last week. So let's carry that over this week. I thought he had a really nice day last week. Let's see them do that again this week. And Rasheed Walker, do I think he's 
showing that he can be the long-term answer? No. Do I think that maybe they need to look at Yash at left tackle? Yes. But Rashid Walker is a lot better player than he's played the past couple weeks. This it, it is time. You are paid professionals to block the player in front of you. I don't care if it's Daniil Hunter. I don't care if it's Dean Lowry or anyone in between. Do your job. Do your freaking job. And we can talk about the footwork and we can talk about the hand placement and what the coaches are setting them up for. If the right play calls, what at some point, there is a human being in front of you that is trying to get behind you, whether it's to stop a run, whether it's to get to your quarterback and your job is to make it that that dude can't get to that dude. And it is time for you to live up to your contract, your professional agreement, and just have some personal pride to go out and block the guy in front of you. And this is the week that this offensive line really needs to start putting the pieces back together. They're they're better football players than they played. If this was just, listen, if, if you told me that they went out this week with, you know, and maybe Royce Newman will have to play for John Running Jr. We we don't know. Or like, excuse me, for like Josh Myers, they have to maybe move Elton inside and put Myers in or whatever the case may be. Who knows? But if you told me that like this was just like five Royce Newmans out there, okay, we're going to, you know, they're going to get beat. We get it. This is not a brutal Packers offensive line. We talked about it in preseason and in camp. This should be a line that even if not great, shouldn't be terrible. They should be fine. They should be average. And this has been a far from average offensive line. They need to be better. It needs to happen this week. Go out, do your job, protect Jordan Love so he can keep his eyes downfield, get the running game going, make it that they can actually you know, not have guys in the backfield. It, it just has to be so much better. And like I said, have some personal pride in the job that you're doing week to week. Number 11, newsflash. I don't want to hear from anyone on social media or on you know, whatever that, oh my God, the field looks so slippery. Yes. Lambeau in like the first couple months of the season, especially plays extremely slippery and it has rained all week long in Green Bay. Lambeau will play slippery this week. Make sure you have the right cleats that you're going with a longer cleat than you even think is necessary. And make remember when I think it was Minnesota fans that were complaining that they thought Green Bay watered down the field or iced the field ahead of the game because everyone was slipping around. It will be like that on Sunday. Guys are going to be slipping everywhere. I promise. I'd be shocked if that's not the case. It's just the way that Lambo's going to play. So make sure that you are prepared. Make sure that Minnesota is the team that's complaining about it and that's having issues with it and that you're the team that can be ready for it, wearing the longer cleats and just knowing that it's going to play more slippery than most fields play. So be ready for it. I'm talking about the team for first and foremost, but for fans, if you're wondering like, oh my God, why is everyone slipping around? It's just the way that Lambeau plays this time of year, especially when it's been raining all week. So Green Bay should know about it. They should be prepared for it. And hopefully they have an advantage over Minnesota who hopefully doesn't have the same level of preparedness for the slippery conditions that Lambeau Field will bring on Sunday. Number 12, I'm leaving the lowest hanging fruit for last. It's turnovers. It's always gonna be turnovers in some capacity. But in this week, with this matchup, it is all about turnovers. The Vikings have nine fumbles and five interceptions so far in seven games. They are turning the ball over twice per game. Green Bay has four interceptions take interception takeaways, one fumble recovery takeaway in six games. They are not even getting one takeaway per game. That is the difference in this game. The Vikings are minus five in turnover differential. The Packers are minus two. I would be willing to bet you almost anything that the team that has the better turnover differential on this one wins it. And I get 
We can say the same thing every single week. We really can. But this is a Minnesota team that's begging you to take the ball and a Green Bay Packer team that is allergic to taking the ball away. Which side of that wins in this one? Can Green Bay actually get some of those elusive turnovers and sometimes turnovers come in bunches? Is this the week they can get two or three turnovers? Or is this the week that Minnesota actually takes care of the ball? Because Green Bay's due for a couple turnovers. Minnesota's due for a game that doesn't have a turnover. Which one of those is it? And which one it is probably literally decides the outcome of this game almost no matter what happens. Watch for the turnovers. See what Green Bay does to try to take the ball away see what Minnesota does to try to protect the football better. But whatever side it is, just making sure that Green Bay is not the team that turns it over. If you want the ultimate kiss of death, Green Bay does not have a fumble yet this season. They're probably due for one of those. If we're just being real, you can say I'm jinxing it if you want. It's just real life. If you go six games without a turnover or without a fumble, excuse me, what's probably going to happen? Like this is just real life. I don't mean to be the bearer of bad news. I don't mean to be the guy that's jinxing anything, but Green Bay probably due for a fumble. Minnesota gives the ball away like Halloween candy. Which side is it ultimately that's going to be that wins the turnover ratio? And if it's Green Bay turns it over twice, Minnesota turns it over twice, all right, then go play football. See who's the better team. But you better come up with some turnovers if you're Green Bay's defense, and you better try to limit that to one fumble or whatever it is for Green Bay because uh, a negative turnover differential in this one is a absolute kiss of death. Those are my 12 key takeaways for this game. Uh, again, move Kirk Cousins off his spot. Kenny Clark versus Garrett Bradbury, Rashawn Gary versus Darisaw and O'Neal. Packers get off to a strong start. Stop Jordan Addison and Daniil Hunter. Try playing some run defense, maybe. Get Jordan Love moving and comfortable. Can Nixon take one to the house or at least, at least get Green Bay set up in good field position? Can the offensive line, I don't know, maybe do their job? Number 11, understand that the field condition is going to be poor and that there's going to be slipping and make sure you're prepared for that. And then go get those turnovers or at least limit turnovers on your own side. My final prediction on this one, hope I'm wrong. I'm going Minnesota 23, Packers 17. I I think Green Bay can very much come out with the victory in this one. And I'm hoping that that's the case. Maybe I'm just emotionally hedging by saying the Vikings win this one. But uh, I think Green Bay wins one of their next two against Minnesota or LA. Now, I did say I think Green Bay would win one of their two either against Minnesota or going back to Denver, and they lost to Denver. So if I said what I said two weeks ago, I guess I should be predicting Minnesota in this one. Um, but I predicted Denver. Who knows? Predictions are dumb. I'm I'm terrible at them. Like I said, always and forever, if I was good at them, I would just make all my money in Vegas, but I am not good at them. And I do not put money down in Vegas for that very reason. But going Vikings 23, Packers 17. Shout out to our all pro and Hall of Fame members, Most Hated Minnesotan, PJ Wynn, John Wild, Shea Bradad, Ronaldo Espinoza, Jennifer Wright, Boom Handle, and Lori Lord. Thank you always for supporting. I will see you guys uh, with a post-game show. Um, obviously breaking down everything that happened in the game, 365 days a year, go become a member, subscribe, like, comment, tell a friend about the podcast, whatever you can do to support it. I appreciate it a ton. Go pack, go get a freaking win. I'll see you guys soon, but until next time, and as always, go pack, go.